I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and macabre murders from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales that we tell. And it's episode 112. Uh, I've just lost track of numbers now. You've no concept of numbers. No concept. I've never counted that high before. You're just in some sort of mire yeah. of episode numbers, exactly. and it's a wonderful place, but you don't know what's happening. I don't have no idea. I generally don't know what's going on anytime, so. Oh, good. Good. Yeah, yeah. Bodes how this, well. This is how these things work. I'm glad it's not your episode this week. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> <laughs> my brain has already turned to mush. Oh, you know what? How are you, Nick? <laughs> my brain has turned to mush. <laughs> okay. But how are you? How are you in yourself? You really want to get into that now? <laughs> I think that could go to a, a strange and crazy place. Oh, don't peek behind the curtain. <laughs> the Wizard of Oz is not happy. Oh, Nick, you seem tired. You seem like you're gulping down on a groaning. I am. I'm knocking this big back. It's kicking in. Well, you enjoy it, Nick. You've earned it. You've earned it. Well, I'm thinking I just get to sit here and listen to a jolly story about death and murder and evisceration and all sorts of loveliness. It is what um, soothes us. Exactly. What's not to love? There's there's many things not to love. I don't know where that phrase came from. What was that? <laughs> there's many things not to love and they're all here. <laughs> oh, I'm on a roll. This is going really well. And then I was like, try something profound. Oh, no. Oh, oh that should never happen. Don't, don't do profound. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Any poisonings this week? I don't believe so. No? No. You haven't poisoned any bunting or a or a scone. <laughs> Poison bunting. Poison. That would be bunting. a way to go, wouldn't it? Uh, <laughs> it would be brilliant. It would be. <laughs> Not sure how that would work. I mean, it would mean death for all Agatha Christie characters very early <laughs> in the stories. Uh, for those who don't know, we can't escape the fact in England right now, it is the Jubilee week. So it's the Jubilee uh, celebrations. It doesn't matter if you're a royalist or not. I, I'm very much not. No, you get sort of, shocking, isn't it? You don't have much choice in the matter, I feel. No, you're you going just... to get swept into a garden party, whether you want to or not. A garden party wouldn't mind. It's the street parties. Oh, the street parties. Yes, no, quite right. Street parties. <laughs> Where all the hoodies have just, you know, they've instead of knives this week, they've got lovely cake stands. And, and, knives. and bunting. Poison bunting. <laughs> Poison bunting. Deadly, deadly bunting. Scuppered by some strawberry jam. Yeah. Yes, it is uh, It is Union Jack City over here right now. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it, it gives me... Uh, 
conflicting feelings. <laughs> but I get an extra bank holiday. So well, right. exactly. I've got an extra nice holiday that I have to work. So what's not to love? And I'm not at all bitter about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of poisoning bunting and street parties that uh, turn nasty very quickly, I think it's time for us to thank our delicious new Patreon subscribers. Well, yes, indeed. Perhaps they're all having a grand street party themselves. Oh, a well, poisonous pa- cabinet street party. <gasps> That'll be exciting. No one will eat anything. I will say that I keep wanting to do an event and you keep stopping me. Probably for good reason. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. A poisoner's street party does not sound good to anyone else apart from the few who It is a a niche audience, shall we say, for that that particular event. (laughs) Come along to our tea party. You'll never have a better one. Well, you're not going to get, like, people just rocking up, are you? It's all gate crashing. I don't know. We we would put on a very good party, Nick. (laughs) It would look splendid. There would be a staircase for you. There most certainly would be. But the first invites, the first invites, would go to Emma O'Connor. To Susanna Mars. To Claire Quayle. To Katie Lennon. To Molly Brooks. To Hannah Crompton. And to Faith Butler. Thank you very much. You very, very sexy, sexy Patreon subscribers. Thank you for everyone who has joined. It is the beginning of the month. This is a great time to join Patreon. We always say join at the beginning of the month because you get the full benefit of the month and you get all the back catalogue. It's just a good time to start your subscription. But it's been fun over on Patreon. You know what we asked this week? We asked who put Bella in the witch elm. Yes. yes. Cover that classic story via Nick. And that, also, I was surprised how much excitement that one got. People love it. Yeah. It's, it's it's brilliant. It's such a it's good grand. story. And you did it very, you very much did it justice. Uh, we also have episode two of our video series out. Yes, which is weird. <laughs> oh, no, it's very good. Very good. People <laughs> loving it. And we also have some more videos where we'll be recording this weekend as well, or mm. with some special guests, people. Yeah. Mm, you're in for a treat. It is but $5 or £4 a month. Bargainous. Well, Nick. Mm. Are you ready? Mm. <laughs> to drink cocktails and talk about poison. Yes. Or, or <laughs> we could drink poison, talk about some cocktails. Yes. I yeah. think we should do that. Your answer is yes. Yes, the answer is yes. We <laughs> should a, we should do that. In any choice situation, you just go, yes. yes. <laughs> I like I like your thinking. Shall we go with the first one? Oh, that's the one. Okay. Let's start with the first one. Let's, Let's drink start some with the cocktails. First one. Move on to the second one if we if it's necessary at the end. Great. We're going to go with the first one, people. Hooray, hooray, hooray. Because obviously we can't, we can't, we can't possibly have a story without a cocktail in hand. As you know, dear listeners, every week we choose a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we tell and it will flavor our cocktail of the week. Mm. My story this week, Nick. Yes, it is, isn't it? So it's my pick of the ingredient. <laughs> everyone, everyone knows it's your pick of the ingredient. There's, there was no, there was no sort of who who picked this ingredient. Other <laughs> than that, everyone knew exactly who it was. Why would that be? Is it just because <laughs> that the secret ingredient this week is drama? That that could be it. Yeah, drama, <laughs> drama, drama is the secret ingredient this week, Nick. And we've been waiting for it for a hundred and twelve episodes. <laughs> Love me a bit of drama, Nick. Yeah, you could just put a picture of you. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't need the masks. It's just a picture of Sinead. Drama. You would people would have got that. That could be interpreted yeah. in so many ways. Is, is in she likes drama. She is she a is drama. drama. Yeah, I mean both are appropriate. I feel. I, I am dramatic, but also my life is a drama. Just the whole incident of my face. <laughs> yes. yes. Multi-purpose. Nice. When I say drama, what were you thinking? Now you know we've got drama as a secret ingredient, but what kind of drama do you think of when well, I, put I this was out? thinking some more some sort of performance-based drama, mm. some sort of acting going on. 
that's what I that's sort of the vibe that I took and especially where you put the masks up I thought that's definitely much <laughs> that's that's quite an acty thing it is more of an acty thing this week the theme is much more around theatre I was very tempted to put up a big gif of you know someone fainting on a couch and <laughs> you'll know that I live for the drama every week is drama week with the poisonous cabinet pick these stories because drama is the spice that we flavour our lives with but no we're not into silly drama not I broke a nail and now that's everyone else's problem much as we love the kind of drama that you gab about over fajitas and margaritas we're going to be talking about just, just one just one gab about broken nails over margaritas and fajitas no you don't do a gab about the broken nails you the sort of drama i like and would be margarita and fajitas sort of material is someone else's drama <laughs> that i don't have to feel emotions about right. apart from being apart from judgment gagged and excited at the same time <laughs> i want to judge but from a distance I don't want to feel feelings for this person that we're going to be discussing. (laughs) I may love them and want the best things for them, but I want to have a drama and not have any emotional investment in. Okay. (laughs) We've all learned a little bit more about Sinead there. Indeed. But this is, I think this is where the poisonous cabinet came from, because we can just pick over these people's crimes and their past lives and just go, ooh, the drama of it all. No, but this week we are going to be looking at the more theatrical side of drama. Before we get to the actual cocktail, I'm going to do a little side note. I want to shout out, because we are talking about all things drama and theatrics this week, I'm going to dedicate this episode to the wonderful Parrot Theatre Company. Uh The Parrot Theatre Company is a new theatre company in the town that we live, started by two friends of ours, Ro and Emma, big friends of this show. They are putting on their first production in autumn wonderful wonderful organization please go and find at the parrot theater on social media and follow them it's very very exciting it's very exciting and it's i'm not very... gunning for a part at all not at all. i mean this, this this is not Sinead's way of going i want to be the main person i want to be give me the part give me the big part all the parts i think i can do it i think you probably could oh yeah i've got the chops badly but you could do it <laughs> <laughs> i've got the puffy pants but with drama then nick yeah what have you come up with for our cocktail well there aren't that many sort of drama based cocktails really out there uh, I was, well, they, no, I quite right. They should be absolutely. I did find a dramatic martini, <laughs> but it just looked dreadful. Oh no! So it's like no, that that had Grand Marnier and Bailey's and oh no, and like, no, I'm not making oh, that. Why would they do that? That just sounds upsetting. So we're not that, going for that one. That would cause a drama. It would very much cause a drama. I mean, aren't cocktails dramas in themselves because you drink them and possibly you'll cause a drama? <laughs> <laughs> well, we might get to that point. Who knows? Yes. But so this week we're gonna have an opening act. An opening act. Yes. Oh, I like it. I well, like suitably it. Suitably dramatic. Stagey, theatery. Yeah, stagey, theatery is what we like. Vaudeville, we quite like that. Mm. <laughs> I'm excited for the drama. Let us exit stage left into the poisonous cabinet kitchen and shake up a storm. So we'll see you in a minute. We'll see you in a bit. And we're back. Hello. Well, Nick, the opening mm. act. Well, yes. And it looks very pretty. It does look very pretty. It's, it's a very attractive opening yes, act. I think so. A pleasure for the eyes. Well, quite. A long drink, a pink drink. A pink drink. We don't often have a pink drink. No, we don't, indeed. And with a wedge of lime in there, yeah. so I'm guessing one of the flavours. Uh, potentially there may be some lime involved. Either that or you just went mad just with went the garnishes. Mad, mad. What if I have to hand? And it's a long drink with ice, which I think... Ooh, yeah, yeah now it should be longer. Ah, it should be longer. So, How long? What? A trough? <laughs> at least a foot. Uh, <laughs> meant to go in like a full-on highball glass, and I have lost mine. So this glass I've chosen has is somewhat fuller than anticipated, because it's meant to be topped up with tonic. 
Ah. But there is no tonic involved because there's not a lot of space in the glass. Oh, right. So, so I, ha- I have the bottle of tonic here. So we'll try it without the tonic, <laughs> see if we explode, and then we can add tonic as we go. So we're going to gulp some tonic gulp. Potentially, oh, yes. Oh, I like Or this. it could be delightful as it is without the tonic. I don't know. You know what theatre is work? So I quite like it. Absolutely. It's okay. A- Put the uh, pre-cocktail cocktail Negronis aside. Doing the one I finished about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> so let us try the opening at the yeah. opening version of the yeah. opening well, act. Quite. Yes. Merry Cheers. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Ooh, ooh, wow. I can see what they say, tonic. <laughs> Sharp, gingery. Mm. I'm going to venture ginger. I like that. I like that a lot. Mm. Mm. Oh, that's nice. I-, I like it just as is. I don't know what the tonic would add to it. I don't know. I mean, I think it has got a considerable warmth on the back. A bit of a kick there. So I can see it may not be everyone's taste. I can see diluting it slightly with some tonic might make it more palatable for a wider audience i mean absolutely if there's no ginger in this then take me out and shoot me right now because (laughs) my taste buds are shot but that is very gingery i love a bit of ginger it's got that really root hotness to it warmth but it's hot it's not warm it's hot it's hot with a cooling ice i don't know i'm confused (laughs) oh i like that should we do do you want to explain it first and then we top it up with tonic i'm i'm tempted not to top it up with tonic very much enjoying that as it is yeah. Probably get a little bit further into yeah. it and then I'll top it up with tonic. By all means, by all means. But talk us through it, Nick. So, yeah, ginger, mm. as you say. There. So we've got a ginger liqueur. Oh, We're using okay. the King's Ginger. The King's Ginger. King's Ginger. Then we have some lime juice. Delicious. We have some orange bitters. Oh, nice. And we have some Campari. Really? Yes. And that's it? That's it. I don't think we've ever had a drink that the only alcohol is Campari. Well, the ginger is ginger. The ginger liqueur is alcoholic as well. Ignore me. The bitters are slightly alcoholic. So so three out of the four things are, in fact, alcoholic. (laughs) (laughs) All right, cut this. Cut this. (laughs) This is why I ask you. I don't think we've ever done this. No, because that's bollocks. That's that's because that's not a thing. So ginger liqueur. We haven't used a ginger liqueur that much. No, I think it's only perhaps the second or third time we've used it. And it's a ginger liqueur, not a ginger wine. Uh, Yes. Ah, very good. Very much a ginger liqueur. Yes. Um, and the Campari. Ooh. And the Campari, so which is hence the, the pinkness. So it's a small amount of Campari compared to the other ingredients. But it does add that little bit of bitterness on the back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised it's such a long drink. There's a lot of ice in there. There's a lot of ice in there, but still it's quite a long drink already. So sort of three ounces, no more than a, any other oh, cocktail or something. I mean... Yeah. Negroni, well, not my Negronis, they've got more, but yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, never let Nick make you a Negroni, no, people, because you'll go blind. <laughs> now, well, I've yeah. had a couple of sips. I am going to now, you go quickly, I'm opening the tonic. You're opening the tonic. You've drunk more than me. Oh, I have to nick some, Jesus. Which I shouldn't do, because it's my bloody story. Well, exactly, I don't have to say anything. <laughs> I don't have to read words in a minute, so. I'm topping it up with a tonic. Mr. Nick, would you get Oh, go on then, I'll have some tonic. Do you want to do that? Yes, there we go. No, I like that. I think that's it. See, it's another one in my summer refreshing drinks. Sitting on your veranda, in your rocking chair. Marvellous. I think the tonic works. Without the tonic, it works. The opening act, what a roaring success it is, Nick. Yay, the critics will be pleased. Excellent. Well, with our opening acts firmly in hand. Would you like a story? I very much would like a story. Yes, it would. Now, as I said this week, we are in the realm of real bona fide dramatic arts. For this is a tale of murder. At the theatre. Oh. Not Lincoln. It's not Lincoln. <laughs> Maybe one day we'll do Lincoln. It doesn't seem Again, fun. It, doesn't, it doesn't seem jolly, does it's, it, really? It just, they just so, sort of happen to be at the theatre. Yeah. Oh, you're dead. And then, you know, this is a tale from the very West End of London. Nice. Just take the drama as read from this point on. 
There is no point where drama pops up as an ingredient that anyone has consumed. Okay, just continuous drama. Yeah, just continuous drama. Okay, from throughout. here on in. I did have to go with, okay, what's the ingredient here? There was no obvious one. Drama, drama, that's it. Now, if you've ever dabbled in acting on stage or on screen, there is one golden rule of acting. It's that another actor is always trying to steal your thunder. <laughs> Steal your light. It was never your fault that you didn't get that part. It's someone else trying to sabotage you. Is <laughs> true. Rivalry is rife in theatre land, and particularly in the tale of William Terrace and Richard Archer Prince, two oh. thespians with very different trajectories in life. Okay. <laughs> so let me take you first to a mm. chilly December evening in 1897. It is the 16th of December. Panto season. Everyone's in Panto. We are outside the stage door of the Adelphi Theatre. Nice. Just on the strand. Celebrated actor William Terrace and a friend are making their way to the stage door, the actor's entrance of the theatre. Only a select few can go through this door. Usually the lead actors. There's another slightly smaller, shabbier door for all of the chorus. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> They're full of good spirits for what is sure to be another sellout performance in this amazing run that is taking place at the Adelphi Theatre. As they reach the door, and William taps on the door to be let in, a man in a flowing Inverness cape and evening dress approaches. He's got an evening dress underneath. He's dressed in evening dress. Yes, I got that. <laughs> it's not an evening is dress. Is it not an evening dress? No. It's got an Inverness coat with a nice frock underneath. Might have been. Yes. Yeah. As he approaches, the man in a big coat. Now, Inverness cape yes. is like a Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes. Holmes. Yes. Sherlock Holmes cape. So the man with the cape approaches and he thumps William on the back twice, seemingly in a friendly manner. Good luck, sir. Have a good show. William, confused, turns to the man, only to be thumped once more in the chest. <laughs> but when he looks down, William is soaked in blood. Has he been thumped with a knife by any chance? He has been stabbed three times. <laughs> That's that wasn't supposed that's, to be that's, funny. That's, that's not the right time to laugh, really, is it? <laughs> oh, that fucker got stabbed oh, three times. He got stabbed, he did. Ha! Literally, I tried to build the drama. And I tear it down. And that is what I was hoping for in this episode. The perpetrator apparently utters, You stopped me yesterday. I will stop you today. Mm, that is dramatic. William cries out, My God, I am stabbed. But again, dramatic. Dramatic. Falls into his friend's arms. He's carried inside the theatre where people are already arriving for this evening's performance. Within minutes, though, despite the attempts of all of the aides and all of the stagehands, William Terrace lies dead. Mm. They cancel the performance for the evening. <laughs> they don't try to wing it. They don't. Okay. Understudies. That's what we need. Understudies. Keep the understudies in mind because, okay. um, yeah, they, they definitely chime in later. Uh -huh. But who is William Terrace, you might ask? I will. Who was William Terrace? And who would want him dead? Well, quite. Well, I'll tell you, Nick. Oh, good. I will tell you. William Terrace was born in 1847, named William Lewin. He was born in London. He is the son of a barrister. He came from a decent family. Had a very pleasant upbringing, attending good schools. He would go on to study at Windermere College and also Jesus College, Oxford. Mm -hmm. Studied at Jesus College, Oxford without taking a degree. Nice. I, is that a thing? I think it was at the time. How? Just just learn stuff. <laughs> just, just go, just rock up and go, 
I'm going to learn this today, and then I'm going to learn that today. <laughs> I didn't know. I don't that think you, you can could... get away with that now. No. If, right? if that is still a thing, my CV is wasted. It's not still a thing. I feel. But he went to Oxford. He was a very outgoing young man. Loved adventure. Loved exploring. He was pals with Frederick Sellers, who was later the inspiration for Alan Quatermain in the fictional tales. Well, it was later said by a friend, if he gained but little in learning, he acquired a perfect mastery in the art of tree climbing. Excellent. Which is one way to take an exam. It's what you go to university for. Indeed. Things are not so rosy for Richard Archer Prince. He went to Cambridge. The disgust. How, How dreadful. Richard Prince was born in 1858 in Dundee in Scotland. His father was a ploughman, not a lunch. <laughs> that was a very bad joke. <laughs> I should be ashamed of that. He's looking at a plate of cheese and ham going, Daddy, why won't you talk to me? He had... <laughs> no, just <laughs> It was in my head all day. There are limits with drama, I feel. <laughs> and we have reached those limits. <laughs> His father had been twice wed and had fathered nine children. So, yeah, Richard's not going to get a lot of attention. <laughs> His family have to tend to the land. They are hard workers, and so all of the children have to work very hard, as opposed to William's family. Quite distressingly, Richard's mother would later say that while she was working in the field, she took the young, the baby Richard out with her, and she left him in the sun for too long. Okay. And said that the child was never quite the same after that. He partially melted. Quite possibly. His temperament was not great. I don't know how old Richard was at the time, how long he was out in the sun, but he seemed to suffer some mental health issues from then on in. It's a bit of a vague description from the mother going... Yeah, I mean, does it ever get that sunny in Dundee that it's going to cause your brain damage (laughs) if you're left out in the sun? Yeah, I mean, we're not talking about, again, you know, the view from your veranda out on the southern fields. No, it's it's Dundee. He's he's probably going to be fine. Yeah, you don't drown the rain. But But he didn't do well at school. He left at the age of 14 to work in a shipbuilder's yard. But Richard, Richard, he had dreams, you see. He had dreams that one day he would become a great actor. He knew he had it in him. In his teens, he joined a local Amdram society and he started treading the boards, taking small parts, just making his way up, knowing he'd get a professional career. And when his parents announced that they were moving to London, Richard, of course, leapt at the chance to join them as soon as he could. As soon as he could leave work, he moved to London with them. The bright lights of the West End, Nick. (laughs) Streets are paved with gold there, they are. Music halls and the hallowed stages. This was the place for him. And Richard worked hard. He managed to secure very small parts in professional shows through the 1870s into the 1880s, including an appearance at the Adelphi (gasps) Theatre. We're very much talking Spear Carrier 2. Yes, indeed. These at not, this point. These are not grand parts, I feel. No, but Richard knew that stardom was ahead. All he had to do was work hard. But by this time, another emerging actor was on the scene. The same sort of age as Richard, but one who was taking the stage by storm. Mm. Not only a natural entertainer, but he was the most delicious raconteur and a handsome fellow to boot. A man by the name of William Terrace. William Lewin had not dabbled in Amdram at his various colleges after his education. He had instead joined the Merchant Navy and he had travelled the world, jumping ship in India to find work as a tea planter. Later, he would claim when he sailed home to dear old Blighty, hitching a ride aboard a whaling ship, there was a mutiny 
on board. Okay. And all the crew voted that it must be William who would captain the ship well, at, obviously, the, must be. at the tender age of 24. Yeah. Yep. Definitely, that's what happened. Okay. Well, he said that's what happened and he got home I'm somehow. Sure he did. <laughs> so it was fine. True or not, William was clearly a great storyteller and this served him well when he decided after a few odd jobs here and there in England, he wanted to become an actor. Throughout the 1870s and the 1880s, William secured promising roles in a variety of productions in the UK and made quite an impression on the public for his dashing, daring portrayals of great heroes. Now, he still travelled the world during this time. Mm -hmm. He would do shows and then he would pack up and head off to far-reaching places. He went to America to breed horses and then he went to the Falklands to breed sheep. Very different. Uh, Breeding. (laughs) (laughs) Just different scale. Well, he did some other breeding as well. He married Mm. and he had a kid. Well, there we go. Uh, His family travelled with him, but when any of his ventures ran out of money, he would just head back to England and carry on acting. I mean, that seems bizarre that acting is the backup job to get the cash. Yes, this horse breeding and sheep farming and merchant navying isn't just paying the bills. I know I'll be an actor. (laughs) (laughs) It does give the impression, his biography, and when you look through all the jobs and the, the flitting around he did, he was kind of carefree rather than desperate as opposed to Richard Prince. William wanted to either be an explorer or an actor and he was able, whether or not he had family money or immense privilege, he was able to go and try these things but he could come home and then return to acting so he could just flit about and do these things. This carefree way of life is you know, the the dream, really, Absolutely. isn't it? I, I can just pick and choose whatever I want to do. Now, there's no indication that he was particularly rich or well, whether he was Oxford, a bit desperate. Well, if you Oxford, there must be some cash there because you're not going to go to Oxford unless, you, unless you've got a bit of money behind you. Particularly if you're not going with a degree. Yeah. If you're and just you're, turning up. Because this is, this is before scholarships and all that sort of stuff. So you want to go there, you've got to pay for it. Well, maybe we can surmise that, that he had this privilege of being able to travel yeah. the world, try different jobs, but his reputation as an actor grew and grew and eventually rooted him in England. Nothing suggests that he was the greatest actor of his generation in terms of artistry, in terms of, you know, when we think about like the finest actors of Mm -hmm. all time. But on stage, he was probably one of the most popular actors of his time. This is no exaggeration. Of course, he was handsome. He had a bombastic voice. He loved to leap around the stage and (laughs) chew the scenery. He loved playing the gallant, heroic or melodramatic figures that demanded very OTT performances. And this is the 1800s. People are loving it. Absolutely loved it. The the, the actors who are the most well loved by the public and things like that are not the most skilled mm. in an actorly way. They're 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 two very different things. The, yeah. There's a, you have the very traditional actor actors um, who are incredibly good, but then you also have the the publicly popular yeah. actors. They're they're a very different breed of performer. If if there had been TV and film at the time, he probably would have been a yeah. star uh, around the world of a sitcom, of a popular film, anything that drew in money. People flocked to see him. He did a lot of supporting roles and he would eventually move up to a leading man we're talking dashing soldiers robin hoods shakespearean lovers swashbucklers the public loved him he ended up being named breezy bill 
breezy. I'm not sure where it came from, but because he was just sort of so like, oh, so, I shall fly yeah. like the wind around the stage. <laughs> you know, I will share pictures of him, but very much the, hmm, yes, I am being a dramatic actor. <laughs> By the mid 1880s, he was now with Henry Irving's company at the mm-hmm. Lyceum Theatre, which is pretty, pretty, pretty big. fancy. Yeah. Pretty big. He is starring or co-starring in major productions in London. He's been on tour across the USA. He would go on to star in a very successful run of Harbour Lights with his regular co-star and probable lover, Jesse Millwood. Fame continued to build and build for William. The New York Dramatic Mirror called him one of the greatest next to Henry Irving and undoubtedly one of the most popular actors in England. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Richard Prince. <laughs> yeah, he's not doing so yeah, well. Yeah, he's all right. Not so well. Not so well. He's been working away at various theaters in mm. small roles, but he doesn't keep his roles for very long. He doesn't really hold down a job. Richard Archer Prince has a reputation for being pretty unreliable, quite prone to heavy drinking. Yeah, that's not what you need. And by all accounts is a pretty bad actor. Yeah, that's also not what you need. It's also said that most people who met him and acted opposite him thought he was insane. (laughs) Okay. Which is not a good review. It's not a good review, no. It also, yeah, describes many of the actors I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he got the nickname Mad Archer. Nice. Which is pretty cool, actually. Yeah, I would go with that nickname. Uh, he didn't like it. He didn't like it at all. But everyone's like, oh, yeah, Mad Archer is coming into audition. <laughs> no one wanted to act opposite him. No. He found a small part in a show in Newcastle. 
The stage manager later reported that not only were the cast reluctant to work with him because of his odd behaviour, but he also could not remember his lines. And it's a very small part. So when he was confronted and said, you don't know your lines, Richard just said, look, it's just going to be best if we shut down the whole production (laughs) until I can learn my lines to our abilities. Shut it down, people. I am the most important person here. (laughs) And then... No, you have one line, you're the butler, go away. Richard's work is drying up and he eventually gets a small role in a production of Harbour Lights. Uh. Uh, The same production on the West End that William Terrace is appearing in. Now, it was alleged that William had met Richard before, probably in passing. Richard is very full on as a person, but William had sort of taken pity on him and offered to find him different roles in other productions. Now, is this a famous actor with someone accosting him going, I'm a great actor. Yeah. He's like, I will definitely pass on your Absolutely. details to my agent, to all these people I know. Goodbye, let go of my hand, let go of my hand. <laughs> he apparently helped him get a part in Harbour Lights. But Richard behaved so badly in rehearsals, drinking, acting aggressively to all and sundry, making mad comments about people and ultimately making nasty slurs about William that he overheard. William had him dismissed from the company. Yeah, fair no, enough. Gotta cut you out. Richard is now out of work and very down on his luck and is convinced that William is to blame. Yeah, absolutely. There is William, a a man who George Bernard Shaw apparently wrote The Devil's Disciple for, (laughs) but William fell asleep during the reading. Not into the dramatic roles, you see, my friend. absolutely not. No. He likes the leaping around. William is enjoying all of the privileges, all of the roles that Richard should be entitled to. Richard was telling people he was a better actor than (laughs) William. Why should he be the one on stage while I am out on the streets? Why is he drinking champagne and dancing with showgirls, I imagine? (laughs) You had no way of knowing. He might have just enjoyed a good book and a mint tea. You don't know. Probably not. Richard is now relying on handouts from the Actors Benevolent Fund. Mm -hmm. And it was apparently William who would urge them to give Richard payouts. Uh, Some even allege that William had made payments to say, look, just help this guy out. Maybe that's hyperbole after the fact. The man is dead and going, oh, he was a saint. He was a lovely, lovely man. Mm. But he tried to encourage them. You need to look after him. Richard was getting payments. But Richard didn't see any of that at all. If anything, he thought, I'm getting these handouts, but it's William. William is behind me not getting work. Uh... Eventually, the Actors Benevolent Fund go, we can't pay you anymore because you're mad. (laughs) You're not working. You're not even an actor. Sorry. Just no one wants anything to do with you. And of course, Richard thinks William has cut me off. He's the person who's talked to them and stopped me having any support in any kind of career. He goes back and forth from Dundee to try and be a labourer, but he keeps being drawn back to London, trying to find work again. He relies on a sister who lives in the city, but soon she too is tired of his ludicrous behaviour and terrible temperament. Can you feel the drama in the room? Yeah, there's a lot of drama going on. A lot of drama, a lot of tension. On the 13th of December, 1897, Richard was publicly thrown out of the Vaudeville Theatre. No After trying to use his pass, I think obtained either from the Lyceum or the Adelphi to get access from the show. It's out of date. It's not valid. And that's another humiliation for mm. him. On the 14th of December, Richard managed to get into the Adelphi Theatre and have a confrontation with William in his dressing room, accusing him of sabotaging his career. <laughs> William, he says, has poisoned him at Chester, Greenwich and... Plymouth. My God, not Plymouth. Not Plymouth. 
I really hope these are theatres he's referring to. <laughs> I would imagine so. I would imagine so too. Yeah. Uh, William Hazem's removed, just probably. Yeah. Security! End, security! The end of a long stick, just there we go. On the 16th of December, 1897, Richard has made another plea to the Actors Benevolent Fund for cash, and they say, You are cut off. Nope. Oh dear. And he is more fueled with rage that William has done this. A few hours later, he saw his sister in the street, apparently goes up and demands that she needs to support him and look after him. To which she replied, I would rather see you dead in a gutter. Ooh. Of course, Richard Blass. She must be in league with that William well, yes. Terrace. <laughs> oh, they are planning to blackmail me. No one establishes what he thinks they're going to blackmail yeah, him for. Yeah, I was going to say, blackmail? Okay. He's not got a lot to blackmail for, really, has he? No. He's not, he, can't, he can't really pay a lot of money for this imaginary thing. Maybe it's the cape. Potentially. And he dons the cape that evening. <laughs> they're you not getting Im- this! <laughs> it's mine! You can imagine Richard just building up all this resentment. And so, that evening, he lurks in a doorway across the street from the theatre, wearing his best evening dress... Mm. An actual dress, an actual it's a dress, gown, yep. covered in sequins, and the cape. And he sees William and his friend approaching the stage door, glowing with the success and happiness that he felt had been robbed from him. Ooh. He pulls a butcher's knife from his cape, walks across the street, stabs William twice in the back and once in the front. Ooh, that'll do it. Richard did not get far. Good, he tripped over his dress. Flapping his cape the whole <laughs> way, <laughs> hitching up his skirt. Oh my God, why did I wear these damned heels? He is captured by a policeman a few streets away and asked why had he done this terrible crime. He said, Mr. Terrace would not allow me employment and I did it for revenge. He had blackmailed me for ten years and I either had to die in the street or kill him. Okay. Yeah, he's a very delusional man. I not feel. a good defence. Well, no, I'm, no, I killed him for revenge. It's not a great defence. <laughs> this is true. At the station, he hands over the knife mm. and says this is... I, I stabbed him with this weapon. But William Terrace is dead, and the press explode. I can imagine this beloved actor. I mean, this is akin to Ian McKellen, Rory Kinnear, being stabbed in the street and being murdered. A great, great popular mm. stage actor of their time being cut down. Everyone is coming out of the woodwork to give their account of what happened. And <laughs> delicious drama ensued. There's actors involved. So obviously, um, I had a feeling of things. William's understudy tells <laughs> tells one newspaper, I dreamt I saw Terrace lying on the ground, landing, on a landing it was, surrounded by a crowd and that he was raving. Oh, it was a horrible dream. I tried to forget it. But tonight... As I came to the theatre, I was going down Bedford Street, and something seemed to say to me, Don't go there. And a few minutes later, I heard a noise and found that a man had stabbed Mr. Terrace. Sure you did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, entirely believable. Everyone is talking about things. It's later reported that Jesse Millwood, his co-star, uh, he died in her arms rather than just on the ground oh, being the... prodded by people. Uh, she, no, no, no. He died in her arms because she was the one he truly loved, not his wife. Um, and he whispered to her as he died, I'll be back. No, he didn't. No. No. Possibly my favourite story, um, William Terrace's dog. Right. Well, at home, very much at home on the night of the murder. Died at exactly the same moment. (laughs) Keeled Uh, over. At 7.20pm, when the fatal blows were struck, the dog seemed to leap, leap around the room, running around in circles in a much agitated state. 
Another journalist reading this account that one newspaper reporter had printed said that the dog must be brought to the trial to identify the murderer. Yeah. Yep. All on board for that. Bring the dog to the trial. Make him take the witness stand. (laughs) But it's poor on the Bible. So all of these stories are circulating. William's funeral. 600 flower arrangements. Nice. I mean, I think that's a little bit small. I, I want more than that at my funeral. I just want it to be known. Okay. Yep. You heard it here, everyone. Bare minimum is a thousand. Uh, but the flower arrangements included some from the Prince of Wales. Okay. 58 carriages followed the hearse. Oh, God. The procession was half a mile long with about 10,000 people in the streets. Better, yeah. Uh, of course, people were selling funeral cards while oh, they were yeah, there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, fully dramatic funeral. Yeah, absolutely. Full on flowers and mourners. I can imagine and... re- recreations down the street. Little mini stages being erected, reenacting the scene as the hearse goes by. (laughs) This is what happened to you, mate. You're dead. We're not. (laughs) Big old day out it was. Now, at the trial, originally, Richard Prince is going to plead guilty Mm. with diminished responsibility, the equivalent of that. He is advised to plead not guilty with a defense of insanity. Yeah, I mean, he's clearly mad. Yes. Richard's mother at the trial does come across as this lovely person who's trying to do right by her son and everything she says does not help. (laughs) Tries to defend her son. She says he's not violent. He's not violent at all. I've never seen him being violent. Being pressed, she does admit that he tried to kill his brother with a poker and a knife. Yeah. Mm. That could be construed as violent. She also says that her son did say he was Jesus Christ reincarnated but her defence was he did not say it very often <laughs> brilliant once is enough <laughs> Once you would think once is enough I mean that harsh Dundee son is going to do something to you <laughs> <laughs> yeah wakes up each morning I'm Jesus Christ yeah we know we know okay other people talked about how when they worked with him, he would just fly into these rages and would literally be foaming at the mouth God. when he was angry. Richard apparently loves the attention, though. I'm oh, he is finally famous. Mm. And he gives interviews and he lords it up in court. Meanwhile, the defense are going, yeah, he crazy, he crazy. <laughs> Look at whatever he's doing because this yeah. really helps us. So Richard Archer Prince was eventually found guilty, but insane. So he was sent to Broadmoor. He spent the rest of his life there and for a long part of his sentence he performed entertainment <laughs> for the other inmates and conducted the prison orchestra. Nice. Mm. He I di- like a prison that has an orchestra. I, I, yeah, I didn't... That's The Broadmoor Hospital has an orchestra. Yeah, that's impressive. Maybe it just took him a very long time to get them organised. All the instruments are entirely imaginary. <laughs> Hearing it in his head. Maybe there was no orchestra. (laughs) He was drawing pictures on the wall and every week they were like, what's he been doing? He's been conducting an orchestra, a real one. Sure. Yeah, why not? (laughs) Or that, or he comes into the room where all the orchestra, all the musicians are lined up and he's like, okay, people, we're going to just keep on with the Ode to Joy. Okay, can you not have sex with your instruments? Just this once (laughs) this week. Stop trying to murder the oboe. He would eventually die of natural causes in 1937. Christ. Age 79. Wasn't there a long time? Many people were furious that Richard Prince was not hanged for the murder of William mm. Terrace. Henry Irving would later say, Terrace was an actor, so his murderer will not be executed. Mm-hmm. 
sort of reference to the fact that if William Terrace has had a more respectable, oh, he would have gone to the gallows immediately. But an actor, oh, a lower profession. Intriguing. Hmm. I didn't, yeah. That's, it's a bit of a, bit, a, bit of a sort yeah. of cryptic-y, bitchy, yes, dramatic comment as yes. well. Okay. Terrace had several memorials made in his memory and there is still a blue plaque on the wall <laughs> of the Adelphi Theatre right next to the stage door oh. recounting his murder and calling him hero of the Adelphi melodrama. <laughs> and it is said that William's ghost still haunts does the Adelphi today. Of course it does. Of course it does. <laughs> so there you go. That is the story oh, that was of very good. two actors, both alike in dignity. <laughs> I was wondering. <laughs> I thought, oh, is she going to do it? Is she going to do it? Yeah, she did. <laughs> Who murdered the shit out of each murdered other. Murdered the shit out of each other. That was Shakespeare's yeah. early draft. <laughs> there you go. Yes, people claim to have seen a man in a grey suit at the theatre, also at Covent Garden Tube Station. And they've just gone, yep, that's William. It must be him. Do you get the tube? Nope. No, <laughs> never, never. Uh, they hear his cane rapping at the stage door, apparently. Oh. Uh, two knocks. And people of the dressing room who've stayed in the dressing room that he used have said they've been, you know, when they've been having a nap in between shows or during, uh, they've been violently shaken awake. They are creepy places, theatres, though, at night. Mm. In the dark, when you're the only ones there. They're, they're spooky places. I'm not surprised people get freaked out. You've been you've been alone in many a theatre. I have, and I have seen. I, I, there was tale of a ghost, and I'm not sure if I saw a ghost. I saw something. Wait, oh, sorry. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! You just said you think you saw something. Well, we I need saw the story, Nick. We need the no, story. No, I, I was working in Guildford, and there's a theatre there called the the Ivan Arno Theatre, and there was this tale of a. Sorry, it's called the what? The Yvonne Arno. Is named I thought after... you said the evil Arno. No, I was like, this Yvonne. is a signal. Yeah. Yvonne Arno, named Ooh. after a theatrical person from days gone by. And there was this story that up in one of the circles, there was a ghostly figure of a woman in grey that has had been spotted in the circle up there. And I was doing a show there. I think I was doing Cabaret. I was working doing Cabaret. Right. And I was on a late night paint call. And I was there. I, was, I think I was... There's two of us in the building. And it was like three in the morning or something like that. And we were painting stuff. And colleague had gone to get a cup of tea or a smoke or something like that. And I was on there. Entire building by yourself. And everywhere else is in darkness apart from on the stage. And I remember being up a ladder and knowing that someone was watching me. <sighs> but knowing that Roger was nowhere, the other chap was nowhere near where I was. Knowing there was someone. You get that feeling when someone's staring at the, you. The, you get the that hairs sort of, on the back of your neck you know stand so, up. Yeah. And then turned around to have a look. And it's not... Is that something up there in the darkness of like the upper circle sort of thing? This little, but is it or is it just a a thing, just a weird <laughs> shadow or something like that? Shut up. What? But it was really, it was really peculiar. It's the first time, first only time I've ever think, oh, that's a bit weird. So, what did you did you see like a figure? So or it was or something. Shape? It just seemed to be like a little sh- a shape, or and it, when it was gone, it, within like, seconds later, it was gone. Yeah. But there was something there, and it could have just been yeah, it could have been a shadow or just something up there that just looked. Wow. Weird. Well, that was in a theater. They are spooky places. But you, there's a difference between when you kind of go, oh, I looked over there. Oh, was that a thing? Well, I don't know. When you get the feeling of being watched and there's yeah. a presence, anyone who's experienced that, and you're still very cynical, but you kind of oh, go, yeah. all the all the hairs are standing <laughs> up. There's something watching me here. That's and then weird. you turn and go, there's a ghost right in your face. Or do you, do you think you see something because, oh, something's watching me, therefore you your mind makes something there. Why would you have that feeling, though? You'd never had that feeling you've done a lot of nights before? No, that's the first and only time. Ooh, look at Nick with his little ghost stories at the end of our jail. <laughs> not, not much of a ghost story. But, uh, that's, that's a paranormal experience. <laughs> we were not branching out, people. <laughs> uh, 
That's amazing. Oh, well, anyway, theaters, that was in a theatre. <laughs> theatres aren't very spooky places. But yes, this is one story that I found. I was looking for kind of, have there been many acting murders? Have been people killed on stage? Maybe there have that I don't know about. But yeah, this story of two actors mm. and their rivalry and ended up with being just murdered that's, in that's the street. Pretty, yeah. there, must, there must be some sort of, yeah, performers who have said the name of the Scottish play and then the mm. cannons fall on the head or something. We'll have to. That would be interesting to see how many misfortunes have actually yeah. befallen anyone who is who has said the Scottish play. So see if there's any deaths involved in there. Not necessarily murder, but bizarre accidents. This is this is not just a coincidence. The Parrot Theatre's first yeah. production <laughs> is the Scottish play. So maybe we'll have some murders of our well, own. You never know. Hopefully not. <laughs> I think it's pretty cut and dried what happened in that case. But oh. In this case, I think there are probably less ghosts involved. Less ghosts involved, and yeah. also we definitely know who did it. Yeah, definitely know who did it, who was a slightly um, very mentally unstable man. Yes, but actors, they're always trying to steal your thunder. This is true. That's it. When you see someone else in your spotlight, you mm. want to grab it. <laughs> well, what do you think, people? What do you think of the story? What do you think of William Terrace? Have you heard of him as an actor? He was very, very famous on stage at his time. Um, and Richard Prince, Richard Archer prince it was such a good stage name it, it had such name. potential unfortunately he was mental <laughs> just not a very good actor and a murderer yeah not a good actor yeah. from all accounts he just walked on stage and just babbled shit at people they were like okay you can just move the scenery yeah, and he this not... he thought he was as good as william he genuinely thought he was better and it's like nope mm. so it all ended badly there but do you know other stories of acting rivalries that have ended in murder or maybe a bit of death or maybe people throwing stuff at each other. Uh, we'll take anything. We take. Or anything. someone fell over once. <laughs> and they said, they did it, they did it. Let's not go into showgirls territory here. <laughs> but yes, we loves us a bit of drama on The Poisonous Cabinet and we hope you enjoy it too. So send us more suggestions of stories that we can cover, but most importantly, mix up an opening yeah, very nice indeed. Oh, I enjoyed that greatly. It's gone. It's gone, absolutely. Yeah, knocked that one back. <laughs> I'll be making more this summer on very, my veranda. Great on its own and great with tonic. Well worth mixing up and adding to your list of cocktails to enjoy summer or winter. So tell your friends about The Poisonous Cabinet. If you have not already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, if that's where you listen to it, or anywhere that you listen to The Poisonous Cabinet. Reviews really help us. We know we say it a lot, but it really, really helps us get recognised and move up the ranks. And join us on Patreon if you want to have more episodes every single week, as well as some delicious bonus content. Thanks for listening, guys. We have been the people inside the poisoner's cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember, your loved ones are trying to kill you. Bye.